courageous, successful, and happy isn't a goal. It's not a place to get to, it's a place to come from. I'm Tracy Oswald and I am the High Achievers Coach and each week we are going to get real and go deep on what's holding you back, how to face it head on so you can finally live your vision with clarity and confidence. Hello, you guys. Hello, my friends. How are you doing? I am really, really good. I am smack in the middle of a marathon podcast recording session. And for those of you who have podcasts, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you have four podcasts that you want to get recorded all in a row, and I have my cup of coffee here, and um, I'm raring to go. I This is the third of the of the four that I want to record today. So that's just life as a as a creator and a podcaster. And I would love to hear for for those of you who do have podcasts and I know I have a couple of listeners out there who do, how do you batch your stuff? How do you do your writing and and outlining and you know come up with your topics and then schedule it into your day in a way that feels really good to you? Because I'm still I guys, I'm still learning how to how to, I don't want to say balance all this because I don't think that's a right and helpful word. How to how to create in a way that feels good for my life right now. I'll say that. And you know, I'm still in that. You know, I talked a couple of weeks ago about being in this creative um, mode, and I still am, and it's super exciting. And there's so many things I want to do, and am doing that fitting them in and giving giving them space to breathe and become things and and also do make it happen right do the physical work i need to do to make that happen it's like i wish i never had to sleep like i wish that was my superpower i never had to sleep and i my body would be refreshed and and things would feel great um and i could do all of these uh all of these things but alas i am a mere mortal who does have to sleep so nothing much I can do about that, but I would love to hear from you guys, uh, you know, tips, thoughts, things that you think might help me. Um, super open to that. All right. Today we're talking, I'm just so excited about today. And, um, and Andrew, the, the guy who does all of my wonderful editing, um, I'll put his business in the show notes too, because I want to give him a big shout out. He, he's been just tremendous um, in helping me evolve as a podcaster, getting all of my stuff edited so wonderfully and mixed and up and running and available to, you know, my listeners. Um, I thank you. And he gave me feedback a little while ago that said, you know, in the beginning, my episodes were, I don't know, like 25, 30-ish minutes. And then I started to go like 50 minutes. And he's like, hey, just don't want you to burn out. Like he's caring for me. Like I want you to be successful. I want you to keep recording this show. Um, just watch yourself when it comes to how long you're going, because I had a couple of 50 minute shows in a row. So I know the last two shows were like under 30 minutes. So this is going to be a little bit longer, you guys. So if you have to break it up, cool. But we're we're going back into the world of immersive theater to be able to experience and and question and delve into the concept of nostalgia. And is it good? Is it bad? Is it helping or hurting us? 
And, and memory is a really funny thing because we never really remember things the way they actually were, right? And this, this started for me, this, this kind of discovering, this going down the rabbit hole and researching memory and nostalgia and how we feel about things, how we feel about the past. Uh, started back in 2016. I went to an immersive show in Denver called Sweet and Lucky. And it's not running anymore, you guys, and I'm sorry, but all of these experiences have, have brought me here to be able to talk to you today. So they're really, really important for us to share. And and hopefully, and I know I've gotten some feedback from some of you that, that, that they, you like the episodes where I'm talking about the experiences because it sparks different thoughts. And maybe you want to experience some immersive theater and my gosh, if you want to have that conversation, just call me, um, 516-524-0294. That's my cell number. Text me, call me. We will have a conversation. I will point you in the right direction. Maybe we'll even go together. All right. So uh, Sweet and Lucky in Denver, 2016. Um, I went with Darren and I think that trip started our, we have this like love affair with the Denver and Boulder area. We've been back four times since then. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we're meant to be there. I'm not sure. Sweet and Lucky was created by Third Rail Projects. And they're the same folks who created Then She Fell. And that's the show that's set in Brooklyn. Really small, immersive show uh, that I talked about. I think it was episode five. I'm not sure. We'll link that in the show notes too. Third Rail Projects was uh, commissioned by the Denver Center for the Performing Arts to create an immersive experience for Denver, Colorado, which is kind of cool. And the the brainchild uh, came up with this concept of Sweet and Lucky, which was created by Zach Morris. And I think we'll link his bio in the show notes. We're linking everything today, Andrew. Get ready. And the show invited its audiences into this mysterious antique store and plunged them into a labyrinth of dreamlike encounters. It was set in an antique shop where nothing is for sale. And at the time I went, I had no way of knowing that this concept would change the way I thought about the past and the future and how we think about those things forevermore. Because think about it, an antique shop where nothing is for sale. So at the beginning, we walked into the antique shop and there were all the things, it looked like a regular antique shop, old clocks and books and linens and paintings and jewelry, a Victorian sofa. You know, we were encouraged to look and touch things and explore, but always reminded that nothing was for sale. There were about 15 of us. And after milling around for, I don't know, about 10 minutes or so, and really becoming fascinated by these old objects, we were ushered inside by a really somber man, all dressed in black. And as each of us passed through the doorway, we were given a big black umbrella and a piece of sheet music with words to a hymn. And I'm thinking, what's about to go down, right? <laughs> and as we walked into this really, it was a large sort of cavernous room. The ceilings were really high. And it was a, an expansive place. It was clear that at the center of the room, we were going to a funeral. And even though the space was really dimly lit, evoking this dream 
like but ominous overtone, I could see a casket elevated in the front, surrounded by flowers, and there were mourners. Maybe the family crying, and they were talking in hushed tones. And then, magically, it started to rain. Real, real rain. Inside. We all opened our umbrellas really quickly, and we listened to the preacher talk about life and death and the past and the present. And then he asked us to join him in singing the hymn. And, and we did, and it was so incredible. 15 people standing in the rain inside and singing a hymn all together. Just think about the magic in that. I don't know. It's just incredible what happens inside immersive theater, which is an absolute reflection and mirror for our world. But we never know who died. Who are we mourning? Was it a person? Was it ourselves? Was it our past? Nostalgia, just by its sheer definition, it's a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. What springs to my mind immediately as a place, a place and a time that I'm super nostalgic about was my time as a sales leader in New York City with my partner in crime, Dave Wasserman. And if you're listening, Dave, what's up, man? I love you. I miss you every day. And this time, it was such an incredible time. We had, we were both, um, we were equals. We, we had two teams and a, collectively 38 reps. So he had 20 reps, I had 18. And guys, we were, we were working hard. We were winning hard. We were celebrating hard. And for those of you who have never worked in a satellite sales office where like there's not a corporate, you know, corporate presence there. It's a different feeling. It's a different energy. There's a camaraderie in a sales office like that that does not resemble corporate structure at all. We were out on this leading edge of this innovative company where we were slaying. The market was ripe and we were basking in the riches of our hard work. And I often think about it as this golden time all those wins, those friendships, those feelings. And when I think about it, I want to go back so bad, but I can't, I can't go back. I can't, there's no amount of money to repurchase my past, to repurchase, repurchase that moment in time. So why do we like this feeling so much? Why do we collectively as humans dip into this feeling of nostalgia. And there's a couple of articles that I read, and I will also link those. We're going link crazy today. Um, but, but some of the articles say, you know, it helps us feel not so alone. When we, when we think about the past and we get that nostalgic, you know, wispy feeling, we don't feel so alone. Number two, it gives us hope. Hope for, maybe I can recreate this great feeling in my future, right? It soothes us and calms us. And that's cool. That's, you know, that's a great part of nostalgia. It's really cool that we're able to go back into our past and find things to make us feel calm and happy, especially if we're feeling anxious. Number four, it helps us feel like there's a point to all this, that there's meaning in life. And it's not just this endless succession of tasks and to-do lists that things actually mean something. Number five, there was a study um, that actually proved 
that it makes our bodies feel physically warmer, which I think is super interesting. And then it also helps us connect, right? Nostalgia helps us connect, like we belong to something in a place with people in a place in time. And finally, it can act as an anchor during uncertain times, times when we feel like we're not sure what's going to happen, right? We're We're fearful. We often look to the past to make us feel secure and anchor us. And in the research I did, I found that about 300 years ago, nostalgia was not seen this way. It wasn't seen seen as harmless. It was seen as a mental disorder with potentially like disastrous complications because it was seen as a form of depression or a serious symptom of depression where a person was unable to fully live in the present. People that were really focused on nostalgia or the past, they saw it as leading to depression. It was a Swiss medical student on the name of, I don't know how to say this guy's, Johannes Hofer, H-O-F-E-R, first gave a name to the condition after observing these the low spirits of Swiss mercenaries fighting in foreign lands. And, and also in the research, when I looked at the actual word itself, nostalgia, it comes from Greek origins. And I found it interpreted in two ways, which is really interesting. The first is, uh, the first part of the word nostos means homecoming and algos means ache. So they interpret that as you know aching for the home or aching for past, right? And another way I found it interpreted also through Greek origins, noros, return, and algos, meaning suffering. So a return to the suffering, which I think is really interesting. And for a good hundred years after that, sensations of nostalgia were largely and widely accepted as a symptom of depression. But fast forward to today, nostalgia has become such a popular element of literature, other art forms, because it has this romanticism about it, this romantic element. Because when we look back at the past, we don't necessarily remember things exactly as they were. We make these weird unconscious mental edits that make the memories more pleasant because our minds want to protect us. Our minds are always looking out for us, trying to protect us from harm and protect us from bad. So we romanticize the past by pulling the events and memories through the filter of our minds. And we leave out the rough parts or the bad parts or the parts we don't necessarily want to remember. And the marketing industry uses nostalgia to resell us parts of our youth. Retro this, everything like retro. And retro means different things to different generations. Like retro to me means the 80s. Retro to my kids means the 90s and the early 2000s. Throwback Thursday on social media, right? It's fun and and I get it and I agree and it's delightful and it's super easy to get caught up in. Psychologists and experts all have different opinions about this, if if nostalgia is good or it's bad. Some research I, I did indicates that nostalgia inspires connectivity with other people. It, it helps us 
have more self-esteem and more empathy for those in need because we were able to reflect back on a time when maybe we were in need. And that's cool. And that's great. There was a, a, a psychiatrist or an expert um, named Zangle. He said, in, in general, nostalgia is a psychological resource. When someone feels nostalgic, they think about the past, but they also feel more optimistic and inspired. Now, nostalgia is therefore anchored in the past, but with a positive trajectory into the future. But other experts, like Hal McDonald, he's a professor of literature and linguistics at Mars Hill University. That's a mouthful. He speculates that nostalgia may actually exist in two forms, only one of which is beneficial. This I find really interesting. Reflective nostalgia accepts that the past is the past. And rather than trying to recreate a special past experience, it savors the emotions evoked by its recollection. There was a scene in Sweet and Lucky where a few of us were in, we found ourselves in this old fashioned kitchen. And the actor, she was a woman, she was dressed in, you know, an apron and it was, it, it looked like it was set in the, maybe in the late 50s or early 60s. I couldn't really tell. Could have even been the 40s. She was in, in an apron. There were recipe books on the counter. It was like a full functioning, old fashioned kitchen. On the table was, cle- the table was clearly prepped for some baking. There was about to be some baking going down. And I can't remember if she was baking a pie or a cake, but all we knew is she needed our help to make it happen. And before we knew it, some of us were measuring flour. She was giving eggs to us to whip up, measure baking soda. Here's the, you know, take out the, the fruit. I mean, it was, we were literally going through the real actions of getting ready to bake. And of course, crazy antics ensued. She crawled into a cupboard looking for a measuring cup and popped out of the oven with it, right? It was just really funny. And we were these grown-ups playing, playing in our own memories of our own childhood when we maybe helped with baking or cooking and evoked this really safe and warm feeling. And I remember feeling so, so wonderful. The other kind of nostalgia, restorative nostalgia, invokes a desire to rebuild the lost home, so to speak. And it views the past with an eye toward recreating it, a a desire to really relive those special moments. It's the kind of thing that emboldens us to pull out our phone at 1 a.m. and call up an old boyfriend or girlfriend just because we heard our song on the radio, writes Mr. McDonald for Psychology Today. And you can all relate to that feeling where We think about the past and then we take an action to recreate a scene that would, that will make us feel that safe and warm feeling. But it's so rooted in the past that we have to go backwards. We think we have to go backwards to get it. Or we want to go backwards to get it. Another scene in Sweet and Lucky was particularly moving and it was incredibly, incredible the way they physically and logistically made this happen. And I can't, I still can't to this day figure out, and some of the memories have faded, but a few of us walked into this front yard and and it had a tree and a porch and there was even a full moon in the sky. I I don't know how they did these things. But through the window, we saw a young couple getting ready for a Christmas party. And 
they open the door and like, as if we were the guests coming to the party, they invite us inside. And there were, I don't know, maybe four or five of us of the 15 people. And we're given cocktails and the husband turns on the record player and every like we were singing Christmas carols or songs. And it really felt like we were at this couple's house celebrating with them. It was so much fun. And then like parties do, the party ended and somehow we're ushered out the back door and we turn around and we see the same front of the house. We see the front of the house we were just in. But clearly, we get right off the bat that it's years later. The couple looks older. And the man has a suitcase and he's clearly leaving. The woman's outside, standing near the tree. And you could see the sadness on her face. And you can feel the longing emanating from her body. The longing, the wanting to return to the past, maybe to return to that Christmas party. And that's the way that I believe sometimes nostalgia can be a dangerous thing because there's this fine line between dipping into the past to feel that warm memory that makes us feel good and optimistic about the future and living life from the past, stuck in the glory days, stuck in the days when we believed that it was so much easier and so much better and people were nicer and things were life was just easier and all around better. When we allow our beliefs to be rooted from and in the past, how can we create a new future? And I get it. There are people out there who are completely happy living in the past and don't want to evolve and grow. And they're probably not listening to this show, right? And I'm not saying that they're bad or wrong, you guys. That's how they want to live their life. Like I have zero power in this world to judge. I mean, I can judge, but it's not going to do anything. They are right in their own thinking. That's not what we, we are all here as high achievers to do. I'm talking to you. I'm talking about our people, the high achievers who desperately want to create this incredible version of ourselves who might be clinging to old beliefs, idealizing how things were, thinking thoughts that you were given 20 years ago. And just kept thinking. And they're not allowing you to take this bold yet inspired action because and somehow maybe you feel like it doesn't honor the past in some way. The most impactful scene for me in Sweet and Lucky was when we got to sit in the back of a beat up old pickup truck watching home movies projected on a white sheet that was hung on a clothesline. And it was we were in someone's backyard. And it, that's what it felt like. And as we got kind of nestled in and there was like, like things, to, buckets to sit on, I think like there was some hay to sit on, blankets for us to curl up as if we were at the movies. It was just incredibly brilliant the way they staged this. And the movie was playing and an elderly woman was wheeled in. And she took her place in front, of, in front of the bed of the truck. And it became really clear that she had trouble with her memory. And as she watched the movie, she became so sad, asking for people by name. Was it her family she was asking for? Was it her mother and father, maybe her sisters and brothers? But she was somehow locked in grief for what was and how it all felt way back then. 
But what I felt at the end of Sweet and Lucky was, of course, enchanted by the experience. And it was so powerful for me that I felt this cloud of sadness, like a gray film over my brain and my thoughts and my future. And that's, that's, the, that's the power that great art has to allow us to feel these feelings, to invoke these feelings. Because maybe someone else left that show feeling fantastic. I didn't. This is how I interpreted it. And would I go back and see it again if they revived it? Absolutely. It was that magical. When something can move me to change my mind about how I feel about things, that's what I want to experience in life. And that's why I love immersive theater so much. This experience, Sweet and Lucky, solidified my opinion that I would rather fully focus on the future, continue to innovate, to be at the leading edge, to be excited by what's next and new and what we can all create together and not dip back into the past for safe feelings when I'm afraid or when I'm anxious. I, Because I believe that those feelings can distract us and lull us into complacency. My opinion is not a popular one, I know. And some of you might downright disagree with me. And I love talking about this with people because, guys, I'm continually learning and tweaking and evolving my own beliefs. And if this sparks a conversation that you want to have, reach out to me. I would love to have it. We, we all learn and grow together when we talk about stuff like this. So whether you agree with me or not, is not the point. The point is there can be a great lesson for you when you really investigate how you feel about this. So here is your brain work for this week. I want you to answer this question and really think on it and maybe ask yourself this question a couple different ways and at a couple different times. Where are you dipping into the past for comfort and distraction? How is it keeping you anchored there, rooted in memories and beliefs that don't serve the version of you that you want to evolve into. That's deep work, my friends. Have at it. I would love to hear about what you discover about yourself, about your truths, about what you believe, and about where you want to go. I love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you get a hot minute, it so helps the show and it so helps other high achievers find the show when you take two minutes, one second, a millisecond to rate and review the show. Again, it helps other people find the show when they're on iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud or wherever people listen. Um, the more ratings and reviews we have collectively as, as, a, as a team, because I feel like you guys are on my team, the faster we can drive this bigger collective conversation. Have an awesome week. Do your brain work. Let me know how it goes. Love you and goodbye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Courageous, Successful, and Happy. It's not a place to get to. It is a place to come from. Listen, if you love what you're hearing, head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is so appreciated. And I will talk to you guys next week.